Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Jordan and Elvis is back in the building. <laughs> yeah. Garen has returned. We're so glad he's back after a few weeks. He was in Carolina seeing Risk get married and then uh, was here for a bit and then had to go back out to Colorado with Pat and do a little rest and rejuvenation yes, there. Yes, rest so, and rejuvenation. Um, Garen, we haven't heard from you for a bit, man. So just fill us in quickly on what's been going on and what it was like for you. Yeah, just wedding was great. You know, very emotional, obviously, as a dad giving a daughter away. Um, but she's marrying a great guy. They'll be here at the end of September so people can meet him. So that was fun. Yeah, then was back here for a week and then headed out to Colorado, like you said, rest, rejuvenation, just to get out into God's creation and do some hiking. And uh, it was great. There wasn't, every day was in the 70s out there, sad to say for everybody here, but it was it was hot here. You missed a brutal stretch, Garen. Yeah. It had me really rethinking living here. I mean, it was honestly so bad. Dude, I mean, every morning I'm up on the deck, 47, 48 oh my word. with coffee. Yeah, you got a nice hoodie on to start the day. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even do that. I oh, so wow. missed it. I didn't even do the hoodie. I was out in t-shirts even oh, in my word. upper 40s, just enjoying the the coffee and stuff. And yeah, it was it was good. Always good to get out in creation. Did a hike I'd never done before that was really close to where we were. That was really cool. Got to see some mountain goats up there and... Yeah, pretty cool. So had a good time. That's awesome. Um, we missed you here, but we had some good fill-ins while you were gone. Oh, yeah. Doc That's... Waters and Jason Huebner on the podcast did a great job. Jason teaching, David teaching. Uh, Corey. Corey teaching. That uh -huh. was the other one. Yeah. So yeah, you really left us in good hands. A lot of good stuff happened, but we missed you and we're glad. We're glad you're back. You brought us Psalm 19 yesterday. And dude, Psalm 19, this probably wrote itself when you were out in Colorado. Yeah. I mean, how can you not write a message <laughs> right. about how Psalm 19 out in <laughs> yeah, God's creation? Especially this part, right? No kidding. So yeah, you, you introduced us to this first part. You're, it's, you said it's going to be a two-parter, but these first six verses really talking about God revealing himself to us through his creation, through the works of his hands. Yeah. Um, is this something that you've wanted to, like when you first envisioned the Psalms, is this one that was definitely on there or like how did this one make yeah, it into the rotation? 19 is, has, been, has been in my heart for a long time because I think if you work with people from a non-Christian background, this, we, I talk with people so much about this, if you, especially from an atheistic background or whatever, work with internationals. We went to this a ton, this idea of God's revelation and creation. And so this has been... Formative. It's been formative for me. I've used it with so many people. I still think it's useful. If anybody wanted to talk to me, like, 
what, how do you know there's a God? This is one of the first things I would start with. Is, so when you were doing international ministry, this was like a staple, like someone asked you that so. question. This is a place you would go every yep, time. Very much so. And you talked about some Korean students during first service um, that you had had interactions with about they knew of some... Yeah, Chinese who have I'm this, sorry, Chinese uh-huh. students. They knew of some unknown God. Yeah, they knew there was one up there. They just didn't know about him. Like the Tin Ye is the official word the in Chinese. Yeah, that's right. The, yeah. The Godfather upstairs, kind of. And then how cool for you to be able to say, listen, I know who it is. And then just take uh-huh. him right here. Yeah. You know? I know who he is. And this talks about him. And the whole Bible reveals who he is. I wonder how much this resonated with them because it seems like if your heart is hungry for those answers and you know there's something, but you don't know who, if somebody put Psalm 19 in front of you, to me, it just seems like be like, whoa, yeah. this is what my soul has been hungry for. Yes. And you just yeah. put it in front of me. So any reactions like that? Or was it generally oh, yeah. pretty? Frequently, because they they believed in him. They would pray to him. Again, Tinye was invisible to them. You, there was no idol for him in their home or anything. Hmm. And so to sit down with this, with Romans 1 and say, yeah. yeah, God designed it so you would see him and you have and you've acknowledged him. And that's great, but let's go a step further. No and, kidding. What a perfect transition. Yeah. Romans 1 into that. Yes. That that expectancy that God has of us, like, okay, I've shown you this, and now there's yeah. some level of accountability, yeah. which we'll talk about. Yeah. So what a and, perfect yeah. bridge. And this just this I just love the text. Again, it's it was influential in my early walk. And so yeah, I've been wanting to do Psalm 19 for a long time. Cool. So, and you scheduled it right after your Colorado trip. So it was very wise <laughs> yes, of you. Right after I'd been out in creation. Yes. And, seeing all, yeah, all the evidence of him and just so clearly out there, right? Because you got to see the beauty of it, but then creation also kind of kicked your butt a little bit on the 14th. Yeah, it did a little bit. So you uh, saw both sides of creation yeah, there. The, the humility <laughs> that uh, whoever, yeah, if his creation kicks your butt, then co- the creator's got to be really, really powerful that he right. made that thing. He like, made something that would so put you in your place. That's pretty cool. Okay, well, let's jump into this just a little bit. You kind of kept us to these first six verses here. You brought four things that we can learn from Psalm 19, uh, one through six, and you kind of and from Romans. I mean, all of those scripture, yeah, those four oh, things from, yeah, come out of really all one. of them. Yes, that's true. And so you give us four big rocks, but there are some smaller pieces within that. So we're just going to go through that a little bit, and maybe ask a few questions. And I know there's a couple of things you wanted to talk about that you couldn't get to, so this will kind of be the. Um, addition, the little like tag onto the end of your message here. So this first big rock you talked about is that God wants us to know that he can be seen and known in creation from Psalm 19. Verse one talks about his glory. And I love how you talk about how that water, that, that word has become watered down, that glory word a little bit. Talked about his handiwork and how he makes those things obvious to us so yeah. that we can see him and know him a little bit. You, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Five uh, things that we can know about God's or about that knowledge, uh-huh. kind of that knowledge. Is the first big one is He can be seen and known through His creation, and then we had five things about what's it say about that knowledge? Oh, about I'm sorry, yeah, about that knowledge that we can gain uh-huh. from that. And so that was that um, the knowledge that He is intentionally using it, creation, it's intentional that He is continually using it, uh-huh. that He makes it available to all. Yep that it is inaudible yep. and that it is clear that to it's us. That it's clear. Yep. Those are kind of the five things about the knowledge he built into creation. So from these five, anything that, I mean, some of these we look at them, we're like, yeah, I get it. I don't know anything that deserves a second look or a little more discussion as far as like how it accomplishes that goal. 
Yeah, the, I think the one that, that trips people up a lot is that third one, that it's inaudible because they're like, okay, I look at it. I'm not getting a message like you. What are you hearing? Oh, okay. And that's, so I, at the end, I did try, because I even at the beginning, I said, can God be known? Does he want to be known? And if he is like, why is he so hidden? Because there is a degree, right, that he's hidden. And so at the end, when I, so to me, that inaudible is like, well, if he wants to be known, why aren't there uh, things, you know, the the speakers blaring, I am here, come find, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I a little bit came back at that to the end with that quote by uh, Pascal, Pascal, right, yeah. that, that and Lewis, that God can't come, he won't show himself in a way that's irrefutable or irresistible because then I just will follow his power and I won't really love him. I'll just fear him and that, that what God so, wants is relationship. So he leaves, it is in a, and that, so yeah, it is a little bit hidden, but nonverbal, it's nonverbal, but nonverbal communicates just as much as regular, right? right. So I was trying to, or even more, signs if you look at that. the sociological studies, right? Like, the, like, more than half of communication yeah. between humans is nonverbal. Yeah, and so that nonverbal is legitimate. Yeah, and, it is. Yeah, so you're like, okay, but it's it says it's inaudible, but yet it's still there and it's still clear. That's what Paul says right. in Romans one, that it, he's made it intentionally clear. And you, when your parents, I think about that parent kid relationship. Like when your parent said something, and you might be like, okay, maybe, maybe not. But like sometimes there was an inaudible, like yeah. a look <laughs> or something, and you're like, oh. There yeah. are no words, but I am 100% sure yes. of what's going to happen here. Yeah. And maybe that's how God is a little bit like, he has put it and it's inaudible, but it is so powerful and so potent. Yeah. And I love that quote by Pascal. I was going to hit it at the end, but we can hit it now because we always ask that question. Okay, if God is real, why wouldn't he just make it so glaringly obvious? I remember an atheist friend asked me that in high school and not really having a good answer for him. But I love that, that if God made it, it, like if he said it with the speakers and if he came and, and said it with a voice or just showed us. And, and it came in all his power. Man. People would just cringe. We'd just be fearful. Yeah. It wouldn't be our heart. And he no, wants our wouldn't, hearts. He wants the heart and yeah. it wouldn't be my heart. It he just, wants people to follow him who are going to seek him yep. in the inaudible. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it, it makes sense. It's all part of woo. We, That's you, really you woo a yes. person that you love. So the reason it's inaudible is because God is wooing us and he's wanting my heart and not my... Uh, he wants my obedience, but not like my obeisance to where I'm just cowering. But maybe not in that order, fear. right? He wants your heart first. Yeah, definitely your heart first. Because you are obedient and fearful because yeah, if of your that, love that, for that him, flows maybe? out of love, right? right the yeah. love is what he wants. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And he's going to get the obedience and the fear one day. Yeah. On judgment day, yeah, there won't be anybody. Day, every knee is going to bow. Right. So he's going to get that yeah, anyways. But a lot of them not out of love. It's just going to be out of love. But he's looking for something extra from those who will follow yep. him. Right. So it made the That's nonverbal cool to me, which if you think about it, it actually makes sense. It does make a lot of sense. It makes sense that it would be that way. Yeah. Man, so cool. So I think that's probably of those, those five. And then the other one, that probably the last one, that it is clear. And that's why I kind of said towards the end, like, this is not my opinion on this. It's not just Garen saying, oh, it's obvious. It's the God, the creator says that in Romans. He makes it so clear mm. that... His 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 verdict on it is I made this clear enough that if you want to right. know me, you can. Yeah. And that's that that's why I love the Pascal heart. There's enough light for those who, who want to see it. And there's yes. enough it's dark, it's hidden enough for those who don't want to see it. Yep. That they'll miss they it. They can self-select and say, nope, yep, not for me. Yep. Wow, that's brilliant. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, um, what can be known about God is limited. Yes, that's really important. Yeah. Talk about why this was something that made your list. 
Yeah, because, and that's why this first section is called general revelation. You can learn a little bit about God. I think you can learn his existence, a few qualities. Some we talked about from Psalm, you can learn, you can see his beauty and his artistry, his handiwork, and you can get a few things from that. From Romans, we learn that I can, I can say he's invisible, he's powerful, he's a person, and he must be divine. But that's about it. And it's not enough to know him personally. It's not enough to know uh, his story. It's not enough to know his his attributes. Yeah, it's not enough to know about him. It's not enough to know about him. And so it is very limited. It's real information, but it's very limited in scope. And so that's that's why I think next week is so important. We come back to the rest of the psalm where David talks about the word of God, because that's where God lets us know more about what he's truly like. Yeah. Can I ask you a, a question with this one, Garen? If what can be known about God is limited in creation, if there is someone who observes God creation but has no access to his special revelation, yes. uh-huh. are they on the hook for like salvation? Like God has made it known to them who he is? Or Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And so that brings up the issue of can uh, my old Celtic ancestors before Christianity came, were all of them destined to hell or is it possible to be saved? Right, and there's there's two views on this, and the view I personally take is I think, uh, and we we don't have to go into the details why I believe this, but I believe that if a person responds to the light that they have, yeah, that God will accept them. The Old Testament believers did not know Jesus; they knew a Messiah was coming. Most of them had really no sense, even though it was in there. There were hints that he would be the Creator Himself. They didn't know that, and what the light they're responding to is the Torah, and they're being faithful to the Torah. And we know those people were saved. So I would say that, and I mentioned in that book that Don Richardson, the um, now I forget the name, but oh, so oh the, eternity in their hearts. Uh, yeah, that's right. That like so the Korean people, um, that whole that whole area of Burma was full of Buddhists and people who were worshiping idols, and he and they were so resistant to to Adoniram Judson. He walks into this one tribe, the Korean. He walks in and meets the first group of them. And they come running. I didn't even tell the full story. It's a great story. They had refused to worship idols because they believed that this creator was invisible. And mm-hmm. they didn't know much about him. And they immediately embraced him and listened to him. And once he kind of learned their dialect and got to talk to them, he asked them why they so openly embraced him. And they actually told him that, I don't remember how many, but several generations before he ever came, that at some some like being or something showed up in bright light and told them that one day a man with white skin would come carrying paper or something and would tell them about the God that they were following. Mm. And so they were, they've been waiting for generations for this to happen. When he walked in, they knew that was the fulfillment. And there wow. was a mass conversion of the Korean people mm. um, because what they had done is they had accepted the revelation they had. Yeah, They refused to worship idols. They knew he was invisible but just didn't know much about him. And i that's my personal belief is that they're still saved ultimately through Jesus. He's the agency of it. Their sin is forgiven through him. They just didn't know his name. Sure. And when, then when they meet him, they're like, oh, you're the one who ultimately paid yes. for my sin. But I, I would say they responded to the light that they had. And so that's... Which tracks with Romans 1 because Paul writes that man is without excuse. And so God has given enough light to us that we can know clearly there is a creator. Yes. And so whether we choose to, like you said, with Sherlock Holmes, um, simply see it and not observe it, or like Helen Keller says, right, to have sight but no vision, whether we choose to investigate that or not is up to us. But uh, he's clearly given us enough to know 
that he is out there. And so, and that, I think his mercy is wide enough. And I have, there's other scripture if somebody wants to talk to me, because there are people who would say, no, you have to pray to Jesus and accept him. And that means everybody before Jesus basically is out. Um, but yeah, if anybody ever wants to talk about that, I've, that's a good question. I wasn't even expecting that yeah. one, dude. Sorry, curveball. No, that's great. Hey, you're back in Kansas now, Garen. <laughs> yeah, I could, back in the heat. Back I'm in the feeling heat. it more than on the hot seat. <laughs> hey, question three or thing three that you said that that we should look at is that's that, like uh, that sounds like Dr. Seuss thing one, thing two, now thing three. Now thing three. Yeah. <laughs> are you going to preach in uh, Seuss version next week? <laughs> okay. Uh, we are accountable for that knowledge. So this is what I love, Garen. A lot of people preach Psalm 19, and it's rosy and it's great, and it makes you feel good. But then you were like, you know what? This is all true and all that's good and rosy and it is feel good. But then we go to Romans 1 and we're on the hook for this. Yes, you're, you're accountable. Like you've been shown this beauty and this glory, but guess what? Now you're on the hook Yeah, because God has shown it to you and you the ball is in your court yeah. and you have to do something with yes. it. And if you don't, then you're accountable for yeah. that. And I just love that we took it there and said, okay, this is great, but man, what are you going to do with it? Because it really demands, it's evidence that demands a response. Yeah, demands a verdict, Josh McDowell would say, right? Yeah. yeah, and and the truth is, is again, this has been available to all people of time, all history, no matter where they are. And so every human being is accountable for this basic level of information that we see in creation. Yeah. And you can't deny it because Paul says it. Paul says that they have no excuse, so. And I love how you talked about that, that limited amount of light that each one of us has. You know, I have been shown the gospel. So the bar for me is pretty it's high. It's really high. I know who the person of Jesus is. It's yes. up to me to walk with him, submit my life to him or not. That's up to me. The Korean people, you know, or whoever, uh, remote jungle yeah, tribes who right. haven't heard the name, the bar isn't so high for them because there's no way they could know who yeah. Jesus is. Right. But they have enough light given to them through general revelation that we know there's a creator, we know there's something. And so we'll, we'll you just respond to that little bit. Yep. So I find that to be in line with who God is. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's challenging because it, it doesn't just say, oh, creation's cool. It's like, okay, it demands something yeah, of me. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it gives us a lot of information about God. I mean, it's limited, but still it gives us plenty of information that I think is overwhelming and we're accountable for it. We have to answer one day. We'll meet him as judge. That and he'll ask the question, how did you respond yeah. to the light that I gave you? Right. That kind of leads us into our, our thing for, as you'd call it, the people that people intentionally stifle this knowledge. And I think that sometimes I look at creation and I'm like, how could anybody deny that there's a creator? But there's something going on in the hearts of people, even, even in my own heart, that I, in my flesh, want to avoid accountability uh -huh. at all costs yep. and, uh, and take the easy road, the road of least resistance, right? Now, so, somebody said this quote recently. I liked it. Men are like rivers. They always take the path of least resistance. That is a good quote. And they even said something like it, it cur they will bend, they will curve to something like that. We can get into that part. But, <laughs> but it was talking about how um, we will avoid acknowledging that there is a God or yeah. that we need to acknowledge the sin in our hearts yeah. or change or submit. And so it, if, if I didn't have Jesus in my life, it'd be so easy to look at things and say, I could say there's a creator and that all points to that. Or I could just say that's really cool and look uh -huh. for other ways because yeah. in my heart, I don't want to submit. Because the reality anything. is, yes, I will stifle that. So I'll suppress it because if there is a I God, don't want to bow my knee to him. Then I've got to bow my yeah. knee to him. Yeah. And I tried yesterday. So what I tried to do yesterday is it would have been easy just to preach this to all of us who accept Christ. Like, yeah, those people, those people. And at this point, I really tried to bring it home that even for me, 
I can go out to the Flint Hills in the evening and I can uh, say, wow, God is amazing and sing the song that we sang a month ago. And then you could say, yeah, and how was your uh, submission to that creator today, mm-hmm. Garen? And I'd be like, uh, well, frankly, yep. I was kind of taking my life, my world into my own hands. So we yep. even struggle with that. So I was trying to bring that home to all of us that there's just something in that sin nature that doesn't want somebody that that demands and expects my obedience mm-hmm. and deserves it. And even us with all this knowledge of him, it's not like… Yeah, like how you said that. It's not people out there. It's yeah, even in it's, my own heart. It's all of us. Yeah, and we've, we've not only got the, the gospel, we got the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and right. we still struggle sometimes. Like, yeah, I'll acknowledge that information in creation, but in my I'm head, gonna, but in my heart, it's I'm not going to submit to that yep. reality. So it's true of all of us. So you look at this evidence in science for a creator, and you touched on it a little bit. And I think that, uh, you know, a creationist, a theist, a Christian could look at the evidence one way and conclude one thing. And a secular scientist could look at the same evidence and conclude a whole other thing. Um, and for probably reasons that we just talked about. But what is some of that evidence? What are some of these things that I think you gave us the names of them, but didn't get to dive in too much um, that we would say really point to a creator and point to a God who is personal and divine and all these things. Yeah. And so the three I mentioned, big words, and we don't have to go into the words that much, but the first was irreducible, irreducible complexity. And it's the idea that as science has looked more and more into the creation and we've got microscopes and, and we can look even to the level of proteins and atoms and all of that, the things that they've seen at that level, like the complexity is incredibly huge. That what they thought, they used to, Darwin, they always call it the simple cell. It's not the simple cell. I've read the most simple cell is more complex than you take any factory, like producing a car, all the workers and all the moving parts, that it's more complex than that. And so that idea of the complexity in it, and not just the complexity in the cell, all the parts, um, but the fact that stored in every cell is DNA, which is millions of pieces of information. When they discovered that, that there's information, that was a big thing for a lot of people. That's what led Francis Collins, who studied the human genome, to become a Christian. He said, there's information in there, and information can only come from intelligence. And that's what I learned in that information science class, that Information cannot be created randomly. It can only come from intelligence. And so that irreducible complexity, that the complexity of the cell is, it, um, it's so amazing that it's got to point to a creator. Even Microsoft took uh, the genome stuff and was looking at it, and they said, this is like computer language. Um, computer language is binary and just zero, one, but DNA is, is language of, you know, it's got the four parts. So it's actually more complex. But they found... I don't even, I don't know computer engineering and all that, but they found like um, code endings, rep, rep, things that, that repeat, that are built into it to keep it safe. Like a lot of these things, I don't even remember all the words that they put into coding. And he famously said, um, the head of Microsoft, did I say, what's his name? Uh, what is the dude uh, with the glasses? Bill Gates. Oh, Bill Gates, yeah. Said if there's a program, speaking of DNA, if there's a programmer, there's a, if there's a program, there's a programmer. Like the complexity. Mm. And now they're learning there's epigenetics in it. There's actually on and off switches built into it. It's more than information. They've also learned it, it replicates forward and backward. There's, that's a way, there's all this, they keep finding this depth. And so the idea that, only somebody intelligent can create and design information and coding to that depth and put it there. That can't happen. You know, there's nothing. And then at a snap of a finger because of lightning, there's a cell full of information and coding. That can't happen. So that's the first one. So I don't know. What are you? I think that, that? Uh, 
we're going to have to go and just YouTube these things. I <laughs> because these are big ideas. But I, I, I know what you're talking about and I've heard of this and I, I think it's really cool. I wish we had more time to talk about just these things. But as we run through them, I realized why you didn't include them in your sermon because yeah, they take a while to unpack. It, it's, it's hard to unpack. And I thought if I throw out enough, if somebody's got some questions or something. Yeah. But, and then people are so hungry for this stuff. I was telling you, I just talked to a student last week who's hungry for this. And if we can put people on to resources or videos or whatever, yeah. I think that's great. I mean, how many of our youth, how many college students, um, Nate, you know, um, Nathan, who did the, who shared his testimony of his doubts, just, um, science was a big one and yeah. it's people in our body are asking those questions and are afraid to tell people. Yeah. And yeah. So well, I, I think that's, I think that's why we're so afraid to engage these conversations sometimes just because we're maybe a afraid that we're going to get dominated by somebody who knows more or B we have this weird fear that we're going to do this research and figure out, Oh no, there's something that God can't explain or that doesn't point to creator. But every time I've done the research and asked the big questions, it points to him. Yeah. It points to a, uh, preeminent being that has all these qualities that our God has. So yeah, haven't found any research that's destroyed yeah. that in me yet. Do you want to talk about these other two things? You yeah, really quick. To... The second one, the specified complexity is the idea of, actually, I've got them reversed. Specified complexity is DNA. Irreducible complexity is that the universe is full of systems and that a system can evolve. And I can't, it's hard to do, talk about this right now, but if I sat down with you with a simple mousetrap with only seven parts, that you, you just simply have one part out of that missing, it will not function. That a mm. system has to have every part from the beginning or it won't function. So a system can evolve. That's the whole point of, oh, okay. of irreducible complexity, that a system cannot evolve. Somebody has to envision a system in their mind, then they build it all together, and then it works. And so just the systems in the body, the only way they could work, there's systems all in the universe, is they have to be thought of, designed, and created. They just cannot evolve one step at a time. You know, you take a mousetrap, and if, if the base evolves, a piece of wood, and that's all that's sitting there, because evolution claims it has to have an advantage to the creature to keep evolving, right? Well, that base does nothing. It just sits there. So then you, th you can throw on the, the spring that makes it snap and lay the spring on the base, but it does nothing, right? It won't catch a mouse. It won't catch a mouse unless it has all seven parts. So that idea that systems are too complex to evolve and calling to be designed. So that one is a big one for me. And then the last one's what's called the anthropic principle, that it appears the universe, the earth and the universe are designed specifically for human life on this planet. And this goes back to the Big Bang and some of the, the initial, you know, the how mass works and all these things that are designed in the universe. And if they were just off this infinitesimally small amount, then the universe wouldn't have started or life wouldn't exist. And you've got multiple of these and they, they, when you line them up, like that they all have to line up and be very finely tuned all to the, to the right place, all of them at the same time, the odds of that are just, it's so astronomical, it's impossible mm -hmm. that all of that happened by accident. And that's why Christopher Hitchens said that was the most convincing thing to him that there was a creator was right. this, how fine-tuned the universe is for human life. Yeah. So. It is incredibly convincing. And when I've talked with friends who don't believe about this, the answer I get sometimes is, well, let me tell you about the multiverse <laughs> and how there's like infinite amounts of universes. So it's actually very statistically probable that we would fall into something like this, to which I would say, okay, but I don't see any scientific evidence yeah, for multiverse. The, right. I've seen it in Marvel. Yeah. It's a cool idea. Yeah, it's a cool idea in Marvel, but I'm you kind of get tired of it after about five. You yeah, know? after five Marvel movies, I'm with the multiverse, ready to go back to the others. <laughs> But I'm talking about things that have been observed in science. Um, 
that people have signed off on and said, yes, this is something that we can test and, and theorize about. But, you know, I'm not going to just blindly believe that there is some other universe or something anyways. So all that to say, we are looking at things that scientists, both secular and Christian would say have validity. Whether you believe in the God of the Bible or not, these are philosophical scientific principles that point to something bigger than us. And so that's pretty cool. And that again, and it's like this, it's natural revelation. They point to me to an intelligent creator, Mm -hmm. but they can't tell you a lot about him. That's why next week in scripture is so important is where do you go to find out who is this God and what he's like and all of that. So, yeah. You ended it yesterday with this question of, and we already kind of talked about it because of how messed up we are. We got to this question sooner than we wanted to just talking about our own brokenness, but are we living like we are creator or like he is creator? And so I think we talked about it with that when we were discussing whether or not we ultimately want there to be creator in our flesh, which our flesh would say no, because we want to rule ourselves. So if you are following Jesus and you're out there, this is a good check-in. You read Psalm 19, you remind yourself of the beauty and the grandeur of the creator. And then we look inward and we say, am I living in a way that reflects that he is there and exists and is my creator and my Lord? Or am I living in a way where I like to be creator yeah. and controller yeah. and all that? And he's just my bellhop. And I just yeah. ring the little bell and he comes up and just whatever I want served, he serves me. Right. Again, not that he doesn't care because he does care. We just talked about that with his names. But he's also Yahweh. He's the great I am. Yeah. And that by itself demands my willingness to love him and to follow him. I think my prayer life is the first thing that would be affected by this because it's no longer just going to him when I need something or in these yeah. big moments, but it's it's just because I have access to him and I just get to tell him how big he is. And, yeah. Uh, well, do you remember Francis Chan and his book? Um, what was his first one? The kind of red maroon one. Crazy Love? Crazy Love. He uh-huh. talks about when he really encountered Revelation 4 and God on the throne and he's like, it just, it overwhelmed him how huge... God sits on the throne of the universe and he's just like, it just changed his, his prayer life. He just became so much more in awe of him mm-hmm. and would bow and worship and yeah. Yeah. Right. And maybe that's ultimately what Psalm 19 is supposed to do. It's going to, it's supposed to change our view of God a little bit and make it bigger yeah, so that we can submit to him out of love and trust him and believe that really does everything under control because um, our eyes are so opened to how big he is. Yeah. Pretty cool. Okay, we're excited for part two next week. So we've done general revelation. We're going to hit specific next. And so we've only got half the story here. You didn't want to go 40 minutes over and just get them both <laughs> no, in one. I knew. Dang, the if gar- this was one sermon, this was going to be like a three-night revival say, meeting or something. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Set up the tent over there in the <laughs> yeah. lawn. And <laughs> <laughs> we have a picnic and come back. That yeah. would be really Baptist of us though, Garen. We'd be getting back to our roots. That'd be kind of cool. All right, guys. Thank you for being with us. Hope this was useful. Garen, glad you're back. And we'll see you next week.